Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation, as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, I am glad to be with you this evening to say a few words about Vipassana. Let us understand what is Vipassana and how it helps us in our day-to-day life. People have started calling it a technique of meditation But actually, it is not meditation, although we all call it meditation. In meditation, you have one object, you concentrate your mind on that object and get absorbed. Vipassana is not so. It is actually a technique of observation. The object keeps on changing object within the framework of your body, object pertaining to the interaction of mind and matter, which keeps on changing, and you just observe. So it's a process of observation, a process of realization of truth, self-realization, realization of truth pertaining to oneself within oneself, by oneself, at the experiential level. What is this physical structure, this corporeal structure, which one keeps on saying, I, I, mine, mine, and not only that, one keeps on generating tremendous amount of attachment towards it. What is this mental structure? which one keeps on saying, I, I, mine, mine, and tremendous amount of attachment towards it. One has to realize what it is. And if there is something beyond mind and matter, what it is? Not to accept anything because the scripture says so. Not to accept anything just because the teacher says so not to accept anything just because the tradition says so, not to accept anything 
because large number of people are accepting it. No. You have to experience yourself. Whatever truth you experience is really the truth for you and that will help you. So the whole process is realization of truth pertaining to yourself. All the sages and saints and seers of the past have been advising us, know thyself, know thyself. How to know myself? I know myself, I am going, so what? How does it help? Know thyself by experience. You experience, what is this I? We keep on saying I, I, what it is and how it works. And the whole process is not to satisfy the curiosity about, oh my, nothing doing. By realizing the truth within the framework of your own body, you understand the law of nature, how things are working. By experience, one starts understanding that look, with the interaction of mind and matter, one generates some defilement or the other, some negativity or the other, and it keeps on multiplying, 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 and overpowers you, then you are helpless. Whatever you don't want to do naturally, normally, you do that. Whatever you should do, you don't do it, because you are overpowered without knowing what is happening and realizing this truth, realizing this truth, it becomes so clear that look, because of this ignorance, ignorance about the reality pertaining to oneself within the framework of the body, ignorance about the interaction of mind and matter constantly taking place every moment, because of this ignorance, I am harming myself. I am becoming miserable. I'm generating misery for myself. And this misery keeps on multiplying, multiplying. Oh, what's happening? For that purpose, to realize the truth as to why I become miserable. At the apparent level, one understands that I'm miserable because so-and-so insulted me. I'm miserable because certain desirable thing has not happened. Somebody's put an obstacle. Things like that. So misery, the cause of misery, one always thinks outside and then uses all the energy to rectify things outside. Even if you rectify one thing outside, another will raise its head. You say, I am miserable because that person is so bad, he has misbehaved. All right, he won't misbehave in future. Somebody else will misbehave. The real cause of the misery is not the objects outside. By this self-realization, it becomes so clear that the cause of my misery lies inside and I am responsible for that. I am responsible for my misery in the same way as I am responsible for my happiness. How it happens? Let us understand what is this process of self-realization, truth-realization. You have to go to the depth of the mind, the root of the mind. What happens there 
is the real cause of misery. At the root level, one starts understanding a behavior pattern, a habit pattern, which constantly keeps on reacting with craving, with aversion, with craving, with aversion. And every time one reacts with craving or aversion, one loses the balance of the mind. One loses the peace of the mind, the harmony of the mind. One becomes miserable. To understand all that by, at the intellectual level, by listening to such discourses or reading some books, doesn't help. One has to experience that truth. And that starts changing the behavior pattern. And it is for this purpose that the truth about oneself has to be realized at the experiential level. To go to that depth of the mind, you have to take at least 10 days of your life to join some center, some vipassana place with a congenial atmosphere, with a proper guide, and start working. What, what will you work? You sit down, you are asked to sit down comfortably in any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch. Not necessarily a lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit in lotus posture, good, go ahead. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch. But see that you keep your back and your neck straight. Keep your eyes gently closed, your mouth gently closed, and see what reality is manifesting itself. Understand every step on this path is the step with the reality of this moment, from moment to moment, from moment to moment. What reality is manifesting within the framework of the body? You have to accept that only, nothing else, whatever reality manifests itself. Buddha said, San Dittiko, the reality of the present moment as it is. What reality? Now, no physical action is taking place, you're just sitting. No vocal action, you're not speaking. Then what's happening? The first reality that you will realize is your breath. The breath coming in, the breath going out. Start with that. The whole process is learn how to observe the reality objectively, objectively. So the breath coming in, you're observing objectively, the breath coming in, the breath going out. Don't make it a breathing exercise. Don't try to control the breath. There's another technique called pranayama where you control the breath. It has its own, own uh, advantages, but this is different. Here, you have to develop your faculty to observe the reality as it is. If the breath is long, it is long. If it is short, it is short. If it passes through left nostril, left nostril. Right nostril, right nostril. Just observe. Don't interfere with the natural flow of the breath. Just observe. Do nothing. As if you are sitting at the bank of the river, and the river is flowing. You have to do nothing for the flow of the river. Naturally, it is flowing, and you are just observing. 
In the same way, your mind, you have to keep it here and just observe the natural flow of the breath as it comes in, as it goes out. So easy. You have to do nothing. Just observe. Things are happening. But whenever you join a course, you will find very difficult. Very difficult. You will hardly observe one or two breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And then you realize after some time, oh, I was here to observe the breath. What happened? And then again you start. Again, after a few minutes, again the mind wanders away. A new student sometimes becomes very irritated and generates anger towards oneself, towards one's own mind. What sort of mind I am carrying? Well, you have to do nothing, just observe. Things are happening. Why you can't do that? Then your guide will say, no, don't generate anger. Anger is anger. Anger is anger. You just add one letter, D, and it becomes danger. Never, never do that. It's harmful. Just accept the fact. Mind has wandered away. So what? I agree. Mind has wandered away. Now, again, I start again. The breath is still there. So I start again. Again, the mind wanders away. As soon as you realize it has wandered away, accept the fact. Look, mind has wandered away. I start again. First day, such difficulties are there. Second day, little less. By the time it is the third day, the mind calms down a little. Fit to take the next step. When the mind is working on a small area and when the mind is working with the truth, because the whole process will not allow you to have any kind of verbalization, no verbalization, no visualization, no imagination, no speculation, no suggestions, auto-suggestion or outer-suggestion. Truth as it is, just the breath. Small area and truth as it is, even if you maintain the awareness for a few minutes, you find the mind becomes sharper and sharper, subtler and subtler, and more and more sensitive. It starts feeling some deeper realities pertaining to yourself. You started with the gross breath. The breath also, initially, it is too, too gross. And then as you keep on working, 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 it becomes finer, 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 shorter and shorter, like a thin thread. It comes out, and as it comes out, it takes a U-turn. As it comes out, it takes a U-turn. So short. At times, people feel that there is no breath. You have to make your mind very sharp to feel that. When that situation has come, subtler realities in this area start manifesting themselves. What subtler realities? Subtler realities pertaining to the mind, pertaining to the matter. When you were observing breath, then also both mind and matter were involved. Apparent level it looks, taking breath is the function of the lungs, is a physical function. Yes, it is true. But mind is involved. The breath is strongly related to mind and very strongly related to mental impurities. One starts realizing that. You try to observe your breath and the mind wanders away, past or future, and you start reacting. You generate anger, aversion, hatred, any negativity, and you will notice the breath loses its normality. As soon as you generate any impurity in the mind, 
the breath is no more normal. It is slightly hard, slightly fast. When that impurity has gone away, again, the breath becomes normal. So it is so clear. The breath is not only a physical activity, it has something to do and very strongly to do with the mind and mental impurities. Now the next step, within three days you start feeling some sensations in this area because you are working on a small area on this, on this part, below the nostrils, above the upper lip. Some sensation or the other. Every moment there is some sensation or the other, some biochemical reaction taking place, some electromagnetic reaction taking place. Any sensation can manifest. Heat, perspiration, throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, whatever manifests, you just observe. Do nothing. Just observe objectively. Starting feeling the sensation in this area, on the fourth day you will find that from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, the entire body, there are sensations, sensations. Initially, as you started working with the breath, it was gross breath which became subtler, subtler, subtler. So also these sensations, very gross initially, like pain, pressure, heaviness, numbness, sitting for a long time, this happens like this, or because of the atmosphere condition, it happens like this, or because of some disease, I'm feeling this sensation. Yes, you start with that. But observe it objectively, don't react. Working on it for a day or two or three, these gross sensations, start becoming subtler and subtler. There are subtler sensations. This intensified, solidified gross sensations start getting divided, dissected, disintegrated, dissolved, and turn into mere vibrations. The entire physical structure, and so also the entire mental structure, is nothing but vibration, vibration, vibration. This great super-scientist 2,600 years ago, without modern scientific instruments, apparatus, he discovered the realities. He was a scientist, discovered the realities, and he announced the entire universe is nothing but vibration, vibration. Sabbo pajjalito loko, sabbo loko pakampito, pakampito, mere vibration, mere vibration, at the experiential level. First one experiences within the framework of the body, mere vibration, mere vibration. So also the mind, mere vibration. At times you feel the contents of the mind very cross, like anger, like passion, like fear, very solidified. And by this technique, as you observe, as you observe they also start getting divided, dissected, disintegrated, dissolved, dissolved. Mere vibration, mere vibration. The entire physical structure, mere vibration. The entire mental structure, mere vibration. When one reaches that stage, then more realities become clearer and clearer. The attention goes on the ear sense door, vibration, vibration. Eye sense door, vibration, vibration. Nose sense door, tongue sense door, body sense door. Mind sense door, vibration, vibration. Now what is happening? A sound has come, come in contact with the ear. 
the sound that has come is also vibration, vibration. Comes in contact with the ear, vibration, vibration. Then, at a deeper level, a vipassana meditator starts understanding. One part of the mind, its job is to cognize. Look, something has happened at the ear sense door. A sound has come. Something has happened at the eye sense door. A shape, a form, a color, a light has come in contact. At the nose sense door, a smell has come in contact. Tongue sense doors, a taste has come in contact. Body sense doors, some tangible contact is there. On the mind, some thought is there. So this part of the mind will say, look, there is something, something happening at the ear sense door. One part of the mind, very important part of the mind, cognizes immediately second part of the mind. As soon as there is a contact, there is a sensation. But the second part of the mind recognizes what words, what words have come. With all the experience of the past, with all the memory of the past, this second part of the mind recognizes, oh, these are the words of abuse, or these are the words of praise. And as soon as this part of the mind gives a decision, these are bad, gives evaluation, this is good, this is bad, you will notice the neutral vibration that started by the contact starts changing. The moment this part of the mind recognizes and gives valuation, this is abused, very bad. The entire body starts feeling vibrations, very unpleasant vibration, very unpleasant. Or this part of the mind recognizes, ah, these are the words of praise, words of praise, wonderful, and you get very pleasant sensation. All the vibrations throughout the body becomes very pleasant. The third part of the mind starts feeling those sensations pleasant or unpleasant. Then the fourth part of the mind raises its head. Abuse, unpleasant sensation. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Genders aversion, aversion, hatred, hatred. Praise, wonderful sensation. I like it, I like it. Craving, clinging, craving, clinging. This process keeps on taking place at every sense door. Something or the other is happening at every sense door, either these five sense doors or if not the, the sixth sense door, the mind itself keeps on remembering whatever experience one had in the past or some aspiration for the future, pleasant, unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant. The whole process becomes so clear and one understands the words of Buddha very clearly when he says, you are not reacting to outside object. This is apparent truth. Teachers in my country, in India, at the time of Buddha and before Buddha, the teaching was there. Don't indulge in these outside sensual objects by saying it is good, it is bad, and craving an aversion. This is harmful. This was a good preaching already there. Buddha says, no, we are not reacting to these outside objects. At the apparent level, yes, somebody has abused you, insulted you, and you say, I have reacted with anger or hatred. Because he insulted me, or she insulted me, or abused me. Actually, you are reacting to the sensation. When the words come in contact with your sense door, this process starts, and the sensation becomes very unpleasant, you react to these unpleasant sensations. Words have come 
into your ears, praise, wonderful, a pleasant sensation starts, you are reacting to the pleasant sensation with craving, clinging. A very wonderful discovery made by this great scientist, super scientist of spirituality, how things are taking place, how we defile our mind and become miserable. More and more one starts realizing this truth, Something has happened outside and out of that, because of that, a sensation and present has come and I react with aversion, with hatred. By this meditation, it becomes so clear that as soon as I react with aversion or hatred, any negativity, I am the first victim. I start harming myself. As soon as the negativity arises in the mind, this sensation which we are unpleasant becomes more unpleasant, more and more unpleasant, and you start suffering. When you generate hatred or aversion or anger, entire body gets heated up, the palpitation increases, tension builds up. A very miserable person. This happens to everybody. But with vipassana observation of the reality, it becomes so clear, look, I am harming myself. I generate aversion or hatred or anger towards somebody to harm this person to retaliate, to revenge. But before harming anybody, I start harming myself. Nobody wants to harm oneself. Everybody wants to live a happy life, peaceful life. And what I am doing? This is what he called ignorance, avidya. Ignorance, not the ignorance of the scriptures. You have not read the scriptures. You have not heard anything about Dhamma. That's why you are ignorant. Nothing doing. Your own experience. The truth about yourself within the framework of the body so ignorant. And because of that ignorance, you keep on generating misery, misery, misery about your, for yourself. Keep on reacting with craving or aversion, craving or aversion. Whether you generate craving or you generate aversion, you lose the balance of your mind. You lose the peace of your mind. You lose the harmony of your mind. Practicing this again and again and again, you reach the stage where the mind is so peaceful, so tranquil. And as soon as something happens, you react in a, in a wrong way. As soon as you react, every reaction is a wrong way. When you react, the peace is gone. The harmony is gone. There is misery. This reality, more and more one starts experiencing the habit pattern at the root level. This is the root level of the mind where the reaction starts. And then it keeps on multiplying, multiplying, multiplying and overpowers you. So at the root level, if you are aware, look, I am reacting. And I am reacting and making myself miserable. I am losing my peace, my harmony. Then the habit pattern starts changing, starts changing. I give examples sometimes of a child, we say ignorant child, because one does not know the, the rules of the world. And in the fireplace there are burning charcoals, red hot burning charcoals. This child feels that they are toys, red toys, I better go and play with them. And he moves towards that and mother stops. No, this is fire, this will burn you. And he cries. Again, after some time, he wants to, to play with those toys and mother says no. And it so happens at one time, mother is not there, he's so happy. Now I can play with these toys, red toys. He goes there and catches hold of them and burns and then cries, cries. He makes this mistake once. He may make this mistake twice or thrice. We say very ignorant, but he's learned the lesson, this is fire. 
It burns. He will never touch. A child understands. This is fire. Never touch. And we call ourselves not ignorant, very wise people. We have learned scriptures. We can talk about spirituality. We can talk about so many things. We require not just once or twice or thrice this burning inside. By this technique, you keep on observing. Look, I'm burning. I'm burning myself. What is happening? I've generated negativity. I'm burning myself. Maybe hundred times you have to experience that to come out of it. And you have to experience. Mere understanding at the intellectual level does not help. Mere accepting at the emotional or devotional level does not help. You can understand that there's fire inside. So what? I'm not burning. When you experience, look, it is burning. I've generated negativity and I am the first victim of the negativity. The words of Buddha become so clear. Pubbe hanati attanang. Pacha hanati sopare. First you harm yourself, then only you harm others. You can't harm anybody without first harming yourself. So the teaching of morality becomes so clear. All the sages and saints, all the traditions, all the religions want us to live a moral life. What moral life? Don't perform any action, physical or vocal, which will harm others, which will hurt others which will disturb the peace and harmony of others. This is morality. We call it shira, the moral life. Buddha says, mere sermons won't help. You have to experience. Why to live a moral life? You don't kill. You don't steal. You don't perform any sexual misconduct. You don't speak lies or harsh words. Don't get intoxicated and lose your senses. Why? And this technique makes it so clear. If I kill somebody, I can't kill anybody without generating tremendous amount of anger, hatred, ill will, animosity, and then only I kill somebody. Now it becomes so clear. Before killing somebody, I am killing my own peace and harmony. What I am doing? What I am doing? Harming myself. I am harming myself. You steal something which is belonging to somebody else, you have to generate tremendous amount of greed. And if you are a good vipassana observer, then you see, when you generate greed, you lost the balance of your mind. You lost the peace of your mind. Before harming somebody by stealing something, you started harming yourself. Sexual misconduct, you have to generate tremendous amount of lust, passion. Again, you lose the, passion, the balance of your mind, the peace of your mind. You speak lies, you try to deceive somebody, you speak harsh words. You have started generating some impurity or the other and you are harming yourself. So every unwholesome action, physical or vocal, starts with the mind. The mind, you have to generate some impurity in the mind, then only unwholesome action is taken place. So it's so clear, you harm yourself. Then it becomes so clear, the shila, the life of morality, at the apparent level it looks, human being is a social being, living with the, in the society, living with the members of the family in the house, one should not perform any physical or vocal action which will harm others. And you don't do that, very good, you're obliging. You're obliging others, you're not harming others, you're not disturbing others. But actually, you're obliging yourself. Now it becomes so clear. I'm obliging myself. When I live a moral life, I try to keep my own peace and harmony. I'm obliging myself. And when I start obliging myself, I start obliging others also. So the morality becomes so clear, 
by observing the truth, the truth within oneself. The whole life pattern starts changing. The deeper and deeper you go in this scientific observation of the interaction of mind and matter, what is happening within me? What is happening within me? When we generate hatred, aversion, law of nature is such, there is a secretion, glandular or non-glandular, there is a secretion of some biochemical with the stream of your blood. And it is so unpleasant, so unpleasant. It makes you feel very unpleasant. And you generate more anger. You generate more anger. More of this biochemical flow. He used the word asava, a flow. The asava is there. And you generate more impurity. More asava, more asava, more impurity. A vicious circle starts. You generated anger because something undesirable happened. Somebody insulted you and this person has gone away even. But should keep on, keep on generating anger after anger, maybe hours together, sometimes days together. Some person comes to me and says, he insulted me so much, I won't forget the whole life. Whole life you don't forget, so what? You keep on burning yourself for the whole life. What are you doing? Once when I started experiencing that I am harming myself, I am harming myself, the process, reverse process starts. The habit pattern starts changing. And as the mind becomes purer and purer, more and more free from these negativities, liberated from these negativities, a pure mind by nature, by nature is full of love, full of compassion, full of sympathetic joy, full of equanimity, full of goodwill. This is by nature. You want to do anything. By a pure mind has to remain peaceful, harmonious with love, compassion, goodwill, etc. Then you find, if I keep my mind pure, the nature starts rewarding me. If I defile my mind, the nature starts punishing me. Or you can say the God starts punishing me or the God starts uh, giving me reward. Whatever it is, but the fact is, Whenever I live a life in accordance to the law of the nature, and the law of the nature is don't defile your mind, keep it pure, and you'll be a happy person. But I break the law, immediately I get the punishment. I don't break the law, immediately, then and there, I get the reward. Living in a country, the law of the government is there. I break the law of the government, I get punishment. But it may take long time. Cases will go from one court to the other, one court to the other. By the time it reaches the final stage, it may take years together. I am punished. Sometimes I, 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 I am not punished even. But law of nature is such. You are punished then and there. As soon as you break the rule, as soon as you defile your mind, you are punished. Nobody can save you. And as soon as you start living the life according to the law, you start getting reward. You start getting reward. You feel so happy, so peaceful. It should be taken as a science, as the law of the nature, universal law of the nature, which is applicable to everyone. When I touch the fire, the fire will burn me. The fire will not see whether this person is black or white or brown or yellow. It will burn. 
it will, the fire will not see whether I am Indian or, a, or a American or, or a Russian or a Chinese, it will burn. The law of nature is such. So when I generate any negativity in the mind, I start burning. The punishment is there. Whether I am black or white or yellow or brown makes no difference. Whether I am man or woman makes no difference. The law is law. So whole process of self-realization, truth-realization is the process of understanding the law of nature, universal law of nature. And then one starts understanding how to live, an art of living, how to live peacefully and harmoniously within, and how to generate nothing but peace and harmony for the atmosphere outside so that others can also live in peace and harmony. Whenever I generate a negativity in my mind, I'm the first victim, but I don't keep this misery within myself, limited to myself. I start throwing it on others. When I generate anger, the entire atmosphere becomes so tense. Anyone who comes in contact with me becomes miserable. I harm myself. I start harming others. What sort of life I'm living? On the other hand, if my mind remains pure, full of love, compassion, I feel so much of peace and harmony within. And the entire atmosphere around me gets permeated with this peace and harmony. Anybody who comes in contact with me at that time, however agitated this person may be, one will start feeling peace, harmony. Oh, this is the proper way of life. That is not the proper way of life. This is the art of living. Otherwise, I harm myself, I harm others. Now this, everybody understands at the intellectual level. But it doesn't work. Unless you experience this truth and keep on experiencing again and again and again, your habit pattern starts changing. Habit pattern starts changing. I remember when I came from Myanmar to India in 1969 and I started teaching this technique. I had learned with my teacher in Myanmar for 14 years, telling on my responsibility as a businessman, as a family man, and practicing this and uh, studying the words of Buddha in the proper way. Unless you practice, you can't understand the real meaning of the words of Buddha. So now with the practice it becomes so clear. This is what Buddha meant. This is what Buddha meant. He never established a sect. As he was against this caste system, high and low, what high and low? A high person is a person who lives a peaceful life, harmonious life, a moral life is a high person. A low person who lives a immoral life is a low person, not the caste system. He was so clear. Similarly, he was against this sectarianism. No sect, what sect? This sect or that sect? The law of nature is applicable to everyone the same. So he never established a sect. What he taught was not Buddhism. Not at all. He never made any person, not a single person he made a Buddhist. Now a research is going on at our center in Digatpuri. We have put the entire words of Buddha, 15,000 pages, the words of Buddha, and commentaries, sub-commentaries, another 35,000 pages, 50,000 pages in the CD-ROM. The word Buddhism is missing. The word Buddhist is missing. In Pali or in Sanskrit we say Bodh. The word Bodh is missing. He never used this word. What he taught, he called it Dhamma. Dhamma Mishtrut, the law of nature, universal law of nature. He taught Dhamma. And those who followed, he called them Dhammiku. These are the people 
who follow according to the law of nature, they are tamiku, not Buddhist, not Buddhism. If it is Buddhist, if it is Buddhism, it is only for the Buddhists. Like Islam is only for the Muslims, Hinduism for the Hindus, Christianity for the Christians. Dhamma is for all. Law of nature is for everybody. And he was a great scientist. And he, had to, he discovered the reality and placed before the people. This is how, out of ignorance, not knowing what you are doing deep inside, you keep on harming yourself, burning yourself. And when you have this wisdom, wisdom of experience, of the truth within yourself, you start living a life, life of Dhamma, life of truth. You start living a good life. Pure science of the interaction of mind and matter, how to live, how to live peacefully and harmoniously without harming anybody and without harming oneself. This is the teaching. It becomes so clear. The more and more one understands the teaching at the experiential level, you can't differentiate this sect or that sect, this caste or that caste, this color or that color, this gender or that gender. Human being is human being. Human mind is human mind. And we find in those days also, and we find now in these Vipassana courses, large number of people around the world who attend, people from every sect, there is no religion in the world whose followers are not attending Vipassana courses. And when they come there, they find it is same. It is our religion. Because every religion, every religion preaches morality. Live a moral life with a disciplined mind, pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This is the teaching of every religion. This is the inner core of every religion. The difference comes only on the outer shell. With the outer shell you have got difference, like different rites, rituals, ceremonies, celebrations, different philosophies. Let people be happy with that. But don't forget the inner essence. And Buddha found out this inner essence is important. Without, without saying anything against the outer shell, inner, inner essence must be given importance. And this is what he taught. People start understanding. The first batch of missionary, Christian missionaries came to the course. Now more than 2,000 Christian priests and nuns have participated in the courses and more are coming every year, 150 or so. The first group that came, a very elderly mother superior, at the end of the course he says, Goenka, you are teaching Christianity in the name of Buddha. I am teaching Dhamma, which is everywhere, for everybody. You call it Christianity, you call it Islam, you call it Hinduism, you call it Buddhism, whatever name you give, but it is a way of life how to live, how to live peacefully and harmoniously. So everybody who comes, they feel it is ours. It is ours. Because living a moral life is the teaching of every religion. Every saint has, has taught the same thing. Keeping the mind pure, full of love, compassion, goodwill. Every saint has taught that. But if you start giving importance only to the outer shell, nothing wrong. But if you have attachment only to the outer shell and forget all about the inner then all this fanatism starts, the terrorism starts, and the Dhamma is gone, no more Dhamma. So when people start realizing this is the essence, the essence, quintessence of every religion is morality, purity of mind, love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance, then where there will be quarrel? No place for quarrel. This is uniform for everybody. 
And this is what starts happening. People come in the courses, millionaire, billionaire, and a pauper, poorest of the poor people come in the courses. They sit together, they stand in line for their meals, all in line. A billionaire is standing here, and in front of him is a pauper who, who doesn't get even food two times. A very high professor, educated professor is there, and in front of him, totally illiterate person. A government officer, a secretary is there, and somebody from his own office, a PN is there. They all sit together. They all meet together. This difference of caste, the difference of, of religion, the difference of high and low color, all go away. This is the way, a solution for the humanity to come out of the misery. Such a great misery is going on. I feel that there are, to take this wonderful teaching to the masses, it must start from the leaders. In olden days, there were kings who ruled. And uh, there is a saying in my country, Yatha Raja Tatha Praja. The king, if the king is living a moral life, the morality goes to the praja also, to the subjects also. Whenever there used to be famine or something, some natural calamity, people will say, oh, the king is not living a proper life, that's why we are suffering, and the king has to live a moral life, etc. Now, the rulers are politicians, they are rulers. The government officials, they are rulers. And the business community, these three sections of the society, if they start developing a proper way of life, proper spirituality, this is spirituality, universal spirituality, not tied to this religion or that religion, this sect or that sect, universal. Everything, good or bad, percolates from the top and goes to the bottom, to the whole society. And I am glad it has started happening. Just now we had one conference where the new generation of these CEOs are, are participated, and many of them have started coming to In India we find many heads of the, heads of the many enterprises, business enterprises, industries, they are coming. Government officials are coming. Government of Maharashtra in uh, Mumbai, they have issued a statement, notification. Every officer can get a 14 days leave to join a Vipassana course with pay. And large number of them are coming from secretary level to deputy secretary, joint secretary, under secretary, they are all coming. And a big change is coming. It's not a rite or ritual. Once you start observing the reality within yourself, you will find the mind becomes calm, pure, tranquil. Your capacity to work. I as a businessman, I know, before I came in contact with this wonderful technique, I used to be such an ego-centered person, such a short-tempered person. And all the time, I make myself miserable, I make others miserable. And with this technique, previously if I work for eight hours, I feel so fatigued. But after this technique, I feel so fresh, even after eight hours. Ten hours, I feel as fresh as I started. Capacity to work increases because the mind is so calm, quiet, tranquil, pure. Every decision that you make is a quick decision and right decision. And all these responsible people, leaders of the society, they have to take decisions. And if they take right decisions, correct decisions, and quick decisions, then it, it goes to the, to the whole society. A real change comes in the life. Real change comes in the life. Therefore, don't take it as particular religion. 
Don't take it that you are being converted to Buddhism. We are not interested. When Buddha did not convert a single person to Buddhism, who am I to convert anybody to Buddhism? The conversion is there, of course. But the conversion is from misery to happiness. The conversion is from ignorance to wisdom. The conversion is from cruelty to compassion. That conversion is there and it's so necessary. And this is for everyone. A Christian remains a Christian for the whole life. A Hindu, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Muslim. A Buddhist, a Buddhist. Doesn't matter. But a human being. One becomes a good human being. Unless one is a good human being, how can one be a good Hindu or a good Muslim or a good Christian or a good or Jewish? A good human being. The Dhamma is to make people good human beings. But for that, mere talks and discussions and these uh, uh, lectures won't help. They will, of course, give you some inspiration. They will give some guidance. But you have to spend time. You have to give 10 days of your life to learn this technique. That time, 26 centuries back, a scientist, he says the entire physical structure throughout the world is made of atoms, kalapa, tiny atoms, which can't see even. And they are also not solid, mere vibration, mere vibration. One has to feel that, we have to understand that. Then one starts feeling, every time you generate anything in your mind, good or bad, you have a certain sensation. And you will find which is good, which is bad, which is helpful to you and helpful to others, which is harmful to you and harmful to others, and the behavior pattern starts changing. For that, you have to give your time. All those who have come today to listen to this discourse, for your good, for your benefit, spare ten days of your life. Just give a trial. I went to give a trial. I was not interested. Actually, I was hesitant. This is Buddhism. And I was from a very staunch, conservative, Sanatana Hindu. If I become a Buddhist, what will happen? I might go to hell. No, no, no. But then my teacher explained me, I am teaching you only morality. Sheila, I am teaching control of the mind, samadhi. I am teaching you pragya, purification of mind. What objection? Does your Hindu religion have any objection? What objection? No religion will have objection. All right, then come and give a trial. And I went to give a trial. And what a big change came in the life. And then so many others, thousands of them, Hundreds of thousands are now around the world. There are 90 centers around the world, 700 teachers who are trained, and they are working around the world. Same result, same result. The Dhamma is for all, not for a particular sect or particular community. So may all of you who have come today to understand what Vipassana is, may find time for your good, for your benefit. May you all enjoy the real peace, real harmony, real happiness with the practice of Vipassana. I am a Christian. Can I still meditate? Certainly. After all, what Christ taught? Purity of heart, love, compassion. And if you get a process by which you can purify your heart 
and generate love and compassion, you are a good Christian. Come, large number of Christian priests are coming, nuns are coming. What for? To attain the same what Christ taught. How much do the ten-day course cost? <laughs> can you can you give money for that? It is invaluable. Dhamma is invaluable. You degrade dhamma if you start asking money for that. No fees, nothing is charged. Teaching is free. Ten days boarding, lodging, all is all are free. People who get benefit from it, definitely they feel like. Others must also get this wonderful technique and they give donation. That's a different thing, but no fees is charged. But still, there is a fees, as I told you. You have to give very valuable ten days of your invaluable life. Give me those ten days, and this is the fees. Could you please say something about the practice of sweeping that you teach? Well, some word has to be used, they started using sweeping. Actually, when the entire solidity of the body and solidity of the mind gets dissolved to vibration, vibration, then from head to feet, you feel just a flow, a flow of vibration. And you keep on moving from head to feet, feet to head with this flow. We call it sweeping. You call it sweeping, you say anything. But you have to feel the entire structure, mental and, and physical, mere vibration, mere vibration. And that is the stage we call it bhanga, dissolved. And then after that, one progresses very easily. Why there are different meditation techniques? For example, jhana yoga, raj yoga, how many parts of mind are there? Whatever technique is being taught, it gives benefit, there is no doubt about that, because I have passed through a number of techniques like that, they are helpful. I am not here to condemn any technique, but with my own experience I find any technique which takes you to the root level of your mind and starts changing the habit pattern of the mind at the root level is a good technique. You give it any name. Vipassana name is given because you observe. Pashana means observe. You are observing the truth, observing the truth, and this changes your habit pattern. There are times when it feels impossible to sit still. The mind is agitated, and I feel very ill. What do you suggest? Come for ten days. Because your mind is agitated, that means the mind is not healthy. You've got an ill mind. So you must go to the hospital. When you're sick, you have to go to the hospital. This is the hospital for ten days. You train your mind to come out of all these difficulties and live a happy life, harmonious life, good life. Why do we manifest so much violence in our lives, emotional and psychological and physical? It is hard not to experience aversion towards others. Because one is ignorant that by generating all such things, one first harms oneself. 
and nobody would like to harm oneself. Once you start observing the reality within yourself, the habit pattern will automatically change. Like I say, that child who touches the fire once, twice or thrice later on won't go towards it. Similarly, when you start experiencing the truth, when you are violent, when you generate negative emotions, you are the first victim. Then automatically you will start coming out of it. So practice it and you will find it is started giving results. It's result-oriented technique, here and now. Is it permitted while sitting on a 10-day course for a minimally practice, for example, for 30 minutes a day? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Continuity is very important. Continuity is the secret of success. 10 days' time is a very short time. Of course, uh, people feel, I am so busy, how can I give ten days of my life? I also started bargaining with my teacher when I went for the first time. Ten days, sir, it is so much for me. I've got so much business responsibilities, industrial responsibilities, social responsibilities. How can I come for ten days? You give me the technique and I'm very intelligent. I'll work at my home. Please, one day or one day, enough. Two days, enough. Started bargaining. Doesn't help. Hundred years back, this technique was not taught to anyone who does not come for one and a half month. One and a half month is needed to go to that depth. But in this, this life, today's life, fast life, started decreasing the days. One month, twenty days, fifteen days, ten days. Yes, they get something in ten days, an outline. Less than that, they get nothing. So don't waste your time to come for less than ten days. Give ten days time and it's very important. But what about when there is anger, sadness, bitterness, fury, rage, jealousy, etc.? These are the negativities, these are the impurities of the mind. And you will notice each one of these, they make you so miserable. When you start observing, you find that, look, the misery is because I am generating all these kinds of, of negativities in my mind. And naturally, this helps you to come out of the habit. The habit pattern changes. For that purpose, the whole process is not a rite or a ritual or a ceremony and you just, just to come there to get a certificate, I am a Vipassana meditator now, I have taken ten day course, now I am a saintly person, nothing doing. You are making all this to change the habit pattern at the depth level. So take, take, give your time and you will find all these problems will get solved. I sometimes like to eat very fast with no regard for common politeness. <laughs> but it feels good. Am I behaving with ignorance? <laughs> you have so much attachment. You have so much attachment for the food. And by these techniques you will find you enjoy your food, but without attached. In a detached way, you live the life. You are not running away from the life. You live the life, peaceful life, detached life. So you will take your food which is necessary. I don't say you starve. You take the food but without attachment and you will find the whole pattern has changed. Change your pattern. It will be good for you. Why do you move from observation of breath to observation of sensations? Observation of the breath will help you at the surface level of the mind. 
it will calm down the mind, it will purify the mind at the surface level. But the sensations are related to the mind at the deepest level of the mind, which the Buddha said, Anusaya, at the very deep level of the mind, there is a habit pattern of generating impurity, habit pattern of multiplying impurity, and that continues, and that means you continue your misery. So unless you work at that level, and sensations are the level where you generate, you start generating impurity, and this is the level where you're going to come out of impurity. With the sensation and ignorance, you keep on reacting in the wrong way and harm yourself. With the sensation, not reacting, remaining equanimous, you come out of your old habit and you live a better life. Sensation play a very important part. How do you teach Vipassana to children? Well, there are children courses being given for one day, two days or three days, and they just, they are taught only anapana, this respiration. And wonderful results are coming. Now, not only in India, but many parts of the world, wherever there are centers, children courses are given. And we keep on getting results, letters from the parents, from the school teachers. The memory becomes very sharp. The ability to understand the subject becomes very clear. And so also, character building from that age, character building, which is very important. So children courses are there. Make use of them, send your children. How do you teach, how do you keep the peace of Vipassana after the course in the cities with difficult routine? Yes, you have to live in the world. I, I don't say that you run away from the world. You can't change the whole world, but you can change yourself. When you start changing yourself, all the disturbance outside will not harm you. You are still peaceful. So the whole technique is to live like a lotus in the pond, in the water. And you are not affected by that. Not a drop of water can stay there. So make yourself that strong to live in all the difficulties of the city and yet remain peaceful. And that is why it is necessary that you learn this technique and get best fruits out of it. How does detachment differ from indifference or avoidance? Indifference is totally wrong, avoidance is totally wrong. When we say detached, that means mind is balanced. And a balanced mind is full of love, full of compassion. You can't say, I don't care. People are, are getting harmed. I don't care. I am I, uh, not concerned with that. You are concerned. When the mind is pure, you develop love, compassion for people. But in a detached way, you don't have attachment. You want to help somebody, and if this person is not helped, then you start crying, that is not good. You help somebody and you do your best to help somebody and then whatever result comes, you keep your mind balanced. In the life also ups and downs are coming, you keep your mind balanced. All the time keep the mind balanced, your capacity to work increases, you don't become indifferent to realities. What is the first thing you do when you awaken in the morning? If I'm a good meditator, first thing I do, I start observing, observing my breath, and then whatever action I take, I try to be aware of things inside and things outside. And this is what I teach. I practice what I, what I preach. <laughs> Nobody likes to harm themselves. How do you explain people who are self-destructive? I ask these people, come for ten days, and don't be destructive, <laughs> be constructive. 
Has there been any movement to spread Vipassana to American prisons? Yes, it has started. Now, few courses are given already. And I am told a, a prison with very high criminals. Where is that? Atlanta? Course is already given there. And second course will start and I will be there in the midst of the course. And results are coming. That is why the government has accepted the authorities have accepted. Now, courses are given not only in India, in Nepal, in Australia, in a number of countries, they have started taking it because they find the result is there. Is homosexuality considered sexual misconduct since one of the arguments against it is that it is against the law of nature? The whole technique helps you to come out of passion. Don't be a slave of passion, slave of lust. And this technique will help you to come out of it. We don't condemn this or that. But anything which harms you and harms others, come out of it. Be your own master. Don't become a slave. Life of slave is always very harmful. So if you are a slave of your passion, of your lust, then certainly you are not a happy person. Come out of it, and this technique will help you. Sometimes while meditating, I have very strong physical experiences, like being electrocuted. <laughs> it is difficult for me to maintain an equanimous mind at these times. Do you have any, adv any advice working with something like this? I do not know whether you have taken a 10-day course or not. If you have taken, go to the teacher. And he will tell you what to do. Different kinds of experiences come on the way. Whatever you accumulated from the past, they start coming up on the surface, you are equanimous, they pass away. They come on the surface, you are equanimous, you pass away. Don't get frightened. If you are a good Vipassana meditator, nothing can go wrong. Nothing will harm you. And if you have not taken a course, then take a course and you will get a solution. What is sexual misconduct? If... Uh, one wants sex, this is craving. If one does not want, this is aversion. <laughs> Don't become a sex maniac. As a householder, you have sex, but sex with one person, not keep running from one to the other, to the third, to the fourth, then it is wrong. You will, have, you will be your own master and you will be having control over yourself. You don't become a slave of the sex. When my body is diseased and in pain, when hormones imbalances flood me with emotions, how do I not become overcome with my pain and emotion? This is what Vipassana will teach you. Large number of people come from the West and they are not accustomed to sit cross-legged. We allow them to sit on the chair, but they sit, still they try to sit cross-legged on the floor. So much of painful for them, they are not accustomed. But after two or three courses, I found a number of them saying, now I have started enjoying the pain. You start enjoying the pain. Pain is there. But the technique teaches you how to remain equanimous in every situation, even painful situation. And the pain goes away. After practicing for some time, 
you find that the pain is, is not that severe as it used to be. What is the best way to maintain practice of meditation when the life is weak or in difficult? That is why you have to maintain. A sick person has to become healthy and if you miss your meditation every day, if you are a good meditator, if you have taken 10 day course, I would say morning and evening, you have to practice to keep your health, to keep your mind sound. You give food to the body twice or thrice to keep it strong and sound. The mind also requires some food and this is the food your morning and evening meditation is the food for the mind and that will make, keep the mind very sound and healthy. So have a strong determination that you won't miss your daily sittings. Are you sitting daily? Certainly, I'm sitting daily. <laughs> if yes, how many hours? <laughs> I teach people, one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening, and that, as I say, I practice what I preach to others. So I also sit in the same way. Sometimes it is difficult to forgive those who have hurt one. Do you have any suggestion as to how to aid the process of forgiveness? This technique will help you. Because when you don't forgive, that means a feeling of revenge is coming all the time. Revenge, revenge. And you're harming yourself. That becomes so clear. Any suggestion, any advice won't work. But your experience will work. More and more you experience, then you start forgiving whatever happened. But if you keep on having this feeling of revenge, 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 you keep on harming yourself and nobody wants to harm oneself. I have done Vipassana two times and I can't seem to get used to proper meditation in my life, more so living in New York. You have to live in New York, why worry? Living in New York, you have to carry on. The difficulty is that you have to have a strong determination in spite of all the unpleasant situation around. You take meals twice or thrice for your body. So this mind also requires meal. So I must meditate twice. And if you continue daily practice for one year, I find that those who have practiced for one year continuously without missing, missing any sitting, then it becomes a habit. It becomes so easy. And you feel that I must meditate. Oh, today I have not meditated. Something wrong. And then you start meditating. But initially for about a year, you have to keep a very strong determination that I must meditate twice a day. This is the best question. Time is short and this is the best question. A film on Vipassana in police force is being shown after this. Question. Will Vipassana make the police weak? What weak? It will make them strong. Somebody is weak because the mind is weak, all the time agitated. You can't, you can't make proper decisions and the police officer has to make decisions in different, difficult situations then and there. They can't say, all right, let me meditate first and then I will make a decision. Nothing doing. Your whole habit pattern changes. Mind becomes so calm, tranquil. Any problem comes, you go to the depth of the problem and make a decision, right decision. All the police officers, large number of them, now courses are given in the police academy. Not that they have become big, they have become stronger. But their agitation has gone away. Now they take right decisions, quick decisions, get good result. 
and all the, the responsibilities they have as a police officer, they are performing there. And you will see now how large number of police officers are participating in Vipassana courses. I am glad that uh, my Dhamma daughter Kiran Bedi is here and she will show this uh, film to you all. Just a glimpse to understand how these high officials, police as well as civilian officers, all the IAS officers, there are courses to the IAS officer for three months, some training, and now some state governments have added Vipassana in that. Ten days Vipassana for the civil officers. Similarly, in the police also it will come. Every police officer have to take Vipassana so that one becomes a good police officer. Military people are coming. In Nepal, the lieutenant general, two lieutenant generals are meditators, Vipassana meditators, and one of them is a teacher, Vipassana teacher. And like this, number of, of military officers are coming, civil officers are coming, it's for everybody. Those who have more responsibility in life need it much more because they, they are responsible for the good and bad of the society. If they are themselves always peaceful without harming anybody, then they do always good actions, harmless actions, positive actions, which will help them and help the society. May all of you get benefit by it. May all of you be liberated from all the miseries. Enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness.